0: Salamun ala ibadihi al-ladhina, astafa amma abad. Fa'udhu من الشيطان الرجيم بسم ra الرحمن الرحيم. Alif laam al-roh, tilka ayatul kitab al-mubeen. Inna unzalnaahu Qur'anun arabiyyan la'allakum ta'quilun. Nahnu naqussu alayka ahsan al-qassisi bima awheena ilayka hatha quran Wa in Subhana rabbika rabbil Izati amma yusufoon. Wa salaamun ala al-mursaleen rabbil alameen. Allahumma sanni ala seeduna Muhammad. Wa ala ali seeduna Muhammadun wa barak wa sallam. Allahumma sanni ala seeduna Muhammad. Wa ala ali seeduna Muhammadun wa barak wa sallam. In this coming month of Ramadan, everyone should try to increase their ta'luk, nisbat, connection, relation with Quran al-Kareem. One aspect of that is reciting more Qur'an, Tilawat al-Qur'an. One aspect is listening to more Qur'an in Salat taraweeh or otherwise. One aspect can be memorizing more Qur'an. And one very important aspect is understanding more Qur'an and feeling more Qur'an. So one way to take a window into Qur'an al-Kareem is there are certain surahs of Qur'an in which Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam or indeed in this case even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has mentioned some special merit of that surah. Surah Yusuf is distinct in one particular way, that mostly in Qur'an you will find topics scattered across different surahs of Qur'an. You will find the story of Adam alayhi salam in multiple places in Qur'an. You will find the story of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam in multiple places in Qur'an. But Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam's story is entirely found in this single surah, a second distinct thing is even when you find mention of their topics in Qur'an and a surah, there are often other topics that are there as well. So you might find the story of Sayyidina adam Salaam somewhere, but in that surah there will be many other things. Surah Yusuf is entirely about Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi Salam. The entire story of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi is to be found in Surah Yusuf, and there is no other story or mention of any other major thing in Surah Yusuf. So it's actually one of the most or probably the most single topical surah in Qur'an al-Karim. And as you have heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described it as asan al-Qasas. But let us begin now. First understand that the a 12th surah of Qur'an al-Karim. And it also begins in the 12th Juz or 12th Sipara of Qur'an. It was revealed in Makkah Karma and was revealed at a time when the Mushrikeen of Makkah Karma were giving Nabiya Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a very difficult time. And this surah was sent as a consolation to him. One of the things, and I mentioned this to to some of you last night who were there, that there's a field in tafsir known as shatna nazul or sabab azul, and that studies when in the time of the seerah did any particular surah or verse was revealed. So it means what was the occasion of that revelation. What was transpiring at that time? Sometimes it's something to do with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sometimes it's something to do with sahab Ram. So in this case, there was no particular event, no battle, no war. It was just the condition of the heart of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu that at that moment was feeling such sorrow and grief at the difficulty and opposition he was being faced by the Mushrikeen of Makumakarma. Karma. The sorrow of the heart of the Prophet Sallallahu wa was the Sabah bin Azul, was the occasion for the revelation of this entire surah. And that's another thing that most of the Mufassirun, the Ulama of Tafsir say, that this surah was revealed in one shot, which is also a special thing, because otherwise many surahs were revealed piecemeal. And then their ayahs were later placed by Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam into that order. That's a whole separate issue. But here in Surah Yusuf it was revealed just like that, in the exact order in which it was revealed to Nabiya Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a complete surah of Qur'an al-Karim. The very first letters here, alif, Lam, ra. Now, I won't talk about that in depth, but this, as most of you would know, this is known as harufi muqattaat. These are letters that are in the beginning of certain surahs. Nobody knows exactly what they mean, but that's the preferred opinion. There are many ulama of tafsir who have put forth different possible meanings. And one position is actually these are letters, the meaning of which is known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and this was to show Allah Taala's sha'an and majesty and he is al Alim, and he is the all-knowing one and there are certain aspects and subtleties to his revelation which will not necessarily be entirely known to humanity however the meaning what they may or may not be of these letters is not part of our hidayah because Allah ta'ala is al-hadi and it would be necessary that whatever is in Quran for our guidance we must be able to understand it it is not possible to definitively understand the meaning or guidance Guidance in alif lam ra. So the notion is there that there's a guidance in it, and the guidance is received simply through reciting it. Any time a person recites alif lam ra or alif lam mim or any of the huruf in mukataat, just that mere recital will bring Allah Taala's guidance of whatever meaning or feeling Allah Taala wants us to have. Allah Taala will directly guide that person's heart. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Qur'an, billahi yahdi That whomsoever has iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah wa ta'ala himself sends his hidayah onto their heart. And these letters are there also to humble us. To humble us that it's Allah Ta'ala's great fazl, karam, mercy and grace that he recited Qur'an in a way that we can understand it. But we also have to know there's a certain level of Allah Ta'ala's knowledge that is beyond our reach and beyond our understanding. So these are just a few of the things that are mentioned about the huruf and And that is why when the Sahabi, he asked Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that one, the Prophet said that you will receive ten rewards for every letter of Qur'an you recite. So he asked particularly about dhiriz. He asked about and he asked what about those letters because I don't understand what they mean and Nabi some said that you will receive 10 rewards even for those letters now the importance that is for people who don't know the Arabic language although everybody really if they're educated they should try to learn at least Quranic Arabic but if a person has not yet made that effort well at least they know that even if I don't understand any particular word in Quran due to lack of Arabic understanding I will still get the 10 rewards for. Every letter that I recite. Tilka ayatul kitabul mubeen. So here Allah SWT is referring to Quran as kitabul mubeen. Mubin means the clear book, mubeen means the book that can make clear. It means both things clear and clarifying, crystal clear and absolutely clarifying and illuminating. Now, obviously that is true about the entire Qur'an, but when Allah Ta'ala begins this surah with that sentence, it means that Allah Ta'ala is going to make something very clear in this surah. There's something that's going to be clarified in this surah, and that is the theme you want to watch in the whole surah. إِنَّا Quran and arabiya, That indeed Allah Ta'ala says that we, now this Arabic pronoun we, you have to understand this very carefully. When Allah Ta'ala uses the word we, it does not refer to His plurality, it refers to His majesty. It refers to His Majesty. Even sometimes in English people call it the quote unquote royal we. So it means I, Allah Ta'ala, in my sha'an. I, Allah Ta'ala, in my might and majesty and splendor, indeed, I, Allah Ta'ala, in my infinite knowledge and wisdom, have revealed this Qur'an. And this is what, uh, this, this, this Kitab Mubin, this clear and clarifying book, and it is a Qur'an in Arabiya, it is a recited revelation that has been recited in the Arabic language. Now know the Arabic language is the only language created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every other language is a product of human creation. And therefore languages have their own peculiarities and their own evolutions that are studied in linguistics. The Quranic Arabic, pure Arabic was created by Allah. So it is the single most perfect language. The language that can most encapsulate human emotion, human expression and understanding and meaning kum Taqilun, So that you may have sense, so that you may understand, so that you may heed. The entire faculty of the Aql is supposed to be subsumed under Qur'an. It means we were given Aql in order to understand Qur'an. The ability to know, understand, ponder, reflect, all of the tools of Aql are all there so that we could understand Qur'an and the Arabic language is the bridge between the Aql of insan and the Qur'an recited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you need Aql, you need Arabi, and you need Qur'an in order to be truly able to get all the hidayah from this Kitab al-Mubin, from this clear and clarifying book. نَحْنُ عَلَيْكَ أَحْسَنِ Though again Allah Taala says that I in my might and majesty and my wisdom I relate to you, I narrate to you the story. Which one? أَحْسَنِ <inaudible> qasas the most virtuous story, the most beautiful story, the most excellent and noble story, that story that will bring about asan virtue, nobility, beauty and excellence in those who read and ponder upon it. بِمَعَوْهِنَا إِلَيْكَ hadal Quran By means of this revealed Quran, Allah us, saying, I reveal to you, singular you, Sayyidina Rasulullah <laughs> ﷺ, وَإِن كُنْتَ مِنْ لَمِنَ الْغَافِلِينَ And however prior to this, prior to the recitation of this revelation of this surah, you Prophet ﷺ were amongst the people who were unaware. And it means specifically unaware of the story of Sayyidina Yusuf ﷺ about the surah. And it means generally also prior to the revelation of Qur'an, Nabi Karim was unaware of anything in Qur'an. And this is one notion that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam is an nabi ummi He was unlettered. And one meaning of that was that he did not study and did not articulate Qur'an from his own knowledge or understanding of wisdom. It came entirely from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now obviously that is something that me and you as believers, as Muslims we already believe in that. But… Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this repeatedly in Qur'an. The reason is that the Qur'an is also addressed to non-believers. Hudan linnas. And in the first instance, the Qur'an al was a message recited by Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to the Mushrikeen of Makkah to the Ahlul Kitab, the Jews and Christians of Makkah and Medina Manawurah, both. Now begins the story of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam. Now before I do, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, remember, yes, that when I told you Arabic is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Arabic has the power to inspire the greatest feelings. And our greatest feelings are supposed to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one reason some of us may not feel as strongly passionate about our deen is because we're not able to feel in Arabic. That's the highest level of learning a language. One is to be able to speak the language, read the language, hear the language, then comes think the language, dream the language, and then it becomes to feel in that very language. Allahu akbar. That would be very deep. But certainly Nabi Karim sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam, and the original recipients of Qur'an were people who spoke this classic pure logat of Quraysh, and they were able to feel this Qur'an. And as you know, Arabic will be the language of Jannah. So, whether we man- manage to master it or not in this world, Allah will enable all of our feeling, thinking, communicating to Him will all take place in Arabic language. Communicating to Sayyidina Rasulullah, Inshallah, ta'ala, may Allah ta'ala, grant all of us Jannah, may He grant us Jannah ta'ala, ta'ala, for those. All of feeling, thinking, communicating will be done in that Arabic language. So, why not get a prequel of that in this world and at least try to learn Quranic Arabic. Now, Sayyidina Yusuf alayhis Salam a little bit about his background. Uh, he is from the descendants of the Anbiya. He is from the Bani Ishaq. And he is the son of Ishaq alayhi salam. He is the son of Sayyidin Yaqub alayhi salam, who was the son of Ishaq alayhi salam, who was the son of Ibrahim alayhi salam. So he's a fourth generation prophet. Now you see in this world if somebody says that I'm an alim and my father was an alim and my grandfather was an alim and my great-grandfather was an alim. So there's a feeling there. There's a feeling that you come from a tradition of ulama. So, Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi comes from a tradition of anbiya. a tradition of anbiya. Yusuf alayhi wasalam, son of Yaqub alayhi salam, son of Ishaq alayhi wasalam, son of Ibrahim alayhi <coughs> Now, the next thing about Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi is this famous dream, famous dream. All right, but one thing uh, before I do that. Uh, is also that you should know that Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam's other name was Israel. So this term, the Bani Israel, means the progeny of Sayyidina Israel alayhi salam. And from the line of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam will come a whole series of Allah knows best, but maybe hundreds or thousands of unbeyond prophets that were sent to the Bani Israel or were sent to the Jewish tribes. And the seal of that can be found in Surah Baqarah, what the Jews did with the different prophets that were sent to them as far as the Bani Israel. Now, there were two mothers and twelve siblings, twelve brothers. Two brothers, Sini Yusuf alayhi and Binyamin, were from one mother, and the other ten children were from another mother. Now comes the beginning of the story. Yusuf ya Abati li That, O oh, my dear beloved father, when, when Yusuf alayhi salam said to his dear beloved father, that I, indeed I have seen in a dream, I have seen in my dream what? Eleven stars and the sun and the moon, and I saw that all of them were prostrating towards me. I saw all of them were prostrating towards me. Now, when we understand the rest of the surah, it's understood that this dream took place when Sayyidina Yusuf was relatively young. You might say he was 12 years old, 14 years old. He was what is called a young man or a youth at this time. The first thing you note is the adab he had towards his father. This way to call father Ya Abati is an address of respect we would say in Urdu, Abu Jan. You might say in English, dear respected father. So this shows the adab. This is the beginning of the story. Every single aspect of this story has lesson and learning for us. So the very first thing that is revealed here is the respect and honor and love and kind way in which a person should address their parents. No matter what age they may be, even if they're at this young age like Nabi Yusuf was at this time. Alright, now when he has this dream, and I'm sure all of you are familiar with the story and you're going to know what's going to happen with this dream. The interesting thing is that Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi responds to his son. He doesn't immediately interpret the dream himself. He immediately responds in Qala. Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi Ya Bunaya. Now again, the father addressing the son with love. In Punjabi Urdu we would say, Ya bunayya means, Oh dear beloved young son of mine. La taksus ru'yaka ala ihwatik that don't tell, don't narrate this dream to your brothers. Allahu Akbar. Now Yusuf Allah probably was not even thinking about that at that moment. He was telling his father, knowing his father to be a Nabi, that I saw this really intense dream with this vivid symbolic imagery, and he probably wanted to get some type of understanding or meaning for that. But Sayyidina Yaqubala, rather than interpret or tell him the meaning of the dream, tells him instantly, immediately, don't tell this dream to your brothers. Allahu Akbar. So that indicates that there's already, prior to this, there's already some issue between the other brothers and Sayyidina Yusuf. A.s because they may conspire against you, they may scheme against you, they may devise some plan against you. In the shaitan al Insani indeed it is Shaitan who is a clear, hardcore enemy to Insan. So what we learn here is immediately a few things. Number one lesson here is that you don't always want to share the bounties and blessings Allah SWT has given you to someone unless there's some positive beneficial reason to that because maybe others might have envy and jealousy towards you and they might plan and scheme against you. And the second is if indeed when you shared, or they find out and they plan and scheme against you, you're to tell your heart that it's not them, it's shaitan. It's not them, Shaitan has used this. And then it also gives us the lesson that this is one of the ways Shaitan operates. He tries to place hasad, jealousy, rivalry in between people. And when he plants that wedge between the hearts of the people, as all of you know what's going to happen in the story, it can turn brother against brother. And unfortunately we still have this till this day. And it began in the very first brothers who were who? The two sons of Nabi Adam a.s. who were the first two brothers to each other. Hmm? and it happened in between the brothers of Nabi Yusuf salam, and it happens between brothers in 2016 in Muslim communities all over the world hmm? but what we learn here is all shaitan, it is all from shaitan, now one aspect of that is it saves the family tie. you see if you think your brother is doing something to you on his own, you'll be upset with him but if you realize that no, he's doing it because shaitan has taken over him, shaitan's waspasa has taken over him, then you'll be less personally upset with him. Why is that important? Because when you're less personally upset with him, there's a greater chance to have sulla, there's a greater chance to reconcile and make amends. And if you take it personally, the more personally you take it, the harder it is to reconcile. So this guidance from Allah subhanahu is that it's not your brothers who are your enemy. What is Yaqub saying? It's shaitan who's the enemy. He's the aduv your brothers might do the conspiring, the scheming, the planning against you, but the enmity is actually from shaitan. Allahu Akbar may Allah Ta'ala enable us to take that enemy, shaitan, as our enemy, as Allah Ta'ala said elsewhere in Quran, فَاتَّخِدُهُ أَدُوَىٰ Then, the second thing, Sayyidina Yaqub tells us tells his son: us, وَكَذَلَكَ يَجْتَبِيكَ رَبُّكَ ويعلمك من ويتم نعمته عليك وعلى يعقوب كما أتمها أبويك من قبل إن ربك عليم حكيم. So you couldn't say that Yaqubay know, sometimes tells his son Yusuf السلام, that thus is Allah Allah selecting you and training you and teaching you what Ahadith. The interpretation of dreams in this particular context that will hadith means ah, hadith means interpretation of dreams and thereby Allah subhanahu wa taala is completing His blessing upon you and upon all of the progeny and lineage of Yaqub alayhi salam the same way Allah taala completed it on your parents your forefathers from before means Nabi Ibrahim and Nabi Isak. What does it mean? Simply speaking, Sayyidina Yaqub A.S. realized that when his son saw this dream, Allah Ta'ala had conferred upon him Nabuwa. Now, it's a matter of discussion between Muhasirun that Allah Ta'ala conferred Nabuwa at that moment, prophethood, that moment on Nabi Yusuf A.S., or was it the indicator that the Prophet would be conveyed later, either way, Nabi Yaqub alayhi salam realized that this meant that my son has been given nubuwa. And that's the most perfect blessing Allah Ta'ala could give any human being, that He selected them to be from His Anbiya, and He's saying that, okay, now He's completing the blessing on this line because we have already have this nude of Nabuwa coming before from Sayyidina Ibrahim A.S. and Sayyidina Ishaq alayhi salam. Now an interesting thing if you would remember that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu was from which side Sayyidina Ismail wa salam right and that was a point of contention that was a point of contention for the Jews so here now what Allah subhanahu was doing was a couple of things number 1 consoling the heart of Nabi sallallahu sallam that no the anbiya are from both they are from the Banu Is- Ismail and from the Banu Ishaq and you are from the same, all from the Banu Ibrahim. So giving him this love for Sayyidina Yusuf, this knowledge of Sayyidina Yusuf A.S. And thereby that, no, I'm actually from both traditions. I might be bloodline from Sayyidina Ismail A.S. But I'm also bloodline from Sayyidina Ibrahim A.S. and all of the Anbiar are from one tradition. And it was also reaching out. And one of the interesting things in Quran is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps reaching out to the Ahlul Kitab. Even though the vast majority of them kept refusing, He keeps reaching out to them. So this whole surah is actually reaching out to the Ahlul Kitab and trying to convince them to accept Sayyidina (laughs) Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So it's a manifestation of Allah's mercy and hidayah and attempt to reach those who have otherwise chosen to disbelieve in Him and to reject Him. Now, another thing you have to know that Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam had understood the interpretation of the dream. But he doesn't tell it to his son right now. He was a Nabi. He understood. And he understood the last part, which was Lee Sajadeen, was an indication that Yusuf alayhi salam be a Nabi. And he understood also that the first part. So the question arises, the first part, that uh, uh, what, what he said, that there's a warning that they're going to scheme. So the question is that if he knows the interpretation of the dream, and if he knows that the children are going to scheme, why does he bother telling his son? Because this is our deen. We have to make use of the asbab. Even if he knows the inevitable is going to happen, still, he warns his son. Right? And the reality is then, that the brothers are going to scheme against Yusuf A.S. not because they heard this dream, but as you know, they're going to scheme against him anyway. He's going to scheme, they're going to scheme against him anyway. Okay. So now then Allah Ta'ala is pausing in the narrative and doing an interruption in the story and saying that indeed in the story of Nabi Yusuf and in the story of his brothers and what transpired between them, there are many ayat, many signs for Sa'ileen, for those who are questioning that might mean they're questioning because they weren't questioning Nabi وسلم about the story Questioning Allah Ta'ala, questioning Iman, questioning Nabuwa. Anybody who's questioning any of the articles of Iman, there are many signs and lessons in the story for anybody who questions. <laughs> so what happened then? The brother said that Nabi, uh, Yusuf alayhi Yusuf salam and his brother, which was Binyamin, means our brothers from the other wife, are more beloved. Ahabbu ila abina. They're more beloved to our father, minna, than us. Now, this gives an understanding that the reason the brothers felt sad and the readers felt jealous was love. So it wasn't initially an evil emotion. They wanted to be loved by their father. And, technically speaking, they're correct. that Sayyidina Yusuf is more beloved to his father. But the reason Sayyidina Yusuf Islam is more beloved to his father is because Nabi Yusuf as is a Nabi. He has the nur of Nabuwa, right? And just like if a man has twelve sons and one of them is a Wali of Allah Ta'ala, one of them is an Alam of dīn, one of them is Muttakeen, salihin, more than the other eleven. So naturally that one would be more beloved. So in this case, one of the twelve is a Nabi. So he is more beloved. But when they mention this notion of the brother bin Yameen, so then there's a feeling that no, maybe there's an extra reason. Allahu There's no explanation of this anywhere in the Hadith. Exactly in what sense these two were more beloved to Nabi Yaqub. A. It may be even a human element there, which sometimes you can observe in this world as well, that sometimes if one wife is more beloved than the other one, so the progeny of one wife can end up being more beloved than the other one. But more likely, as you will hear in the Surah, that Binyamin also, towards the end you will see, he's also from the Salihin. He doesn't conspire against Yusuf alayhi salam. So basically these two had more good in them than the others, and that's why they were more beloved to Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi But in any case, they felt this uh, a lot. Uh, وَنَحْنُ أُصْبَى uh, أُصْبَى here means that we're a large number, we're ten and there are two. So this is also a misunderstanding sometimes people have. That merit should be based on numbers. Merit should be based on strength. So why does our father love them more when they're two, and we are an usfa, we're a whole jamaat, we're a whole group, we're a whole plurality, we're a multitude. But that's not the basis of love. So the basis of love is on the basis of sifat, sifat iman on the basis of taqwa and haya, on the basis of that person's relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And their perspective was that indeed our father is what? He's completely unmanifest error. He's completely astray. Means he's wrong to love these two more than he loves us. Alright. Any other points here? Since the beginning here is mentioning this uh, illness of hasad, so let me mention the cure of hasad. So hasad, if you remember, there's two cures for this. Number one is you have to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm? Do you remember this in the last part of Qur'an al-Kareem, that we have to seek refuge from him in, from, من شر حسد إذا hassad. So there in Qur'an Allah was telling us that the envy of the envier is such an intense evil. That yes, you may have to use some of your own defense mechanisms, but it's such an intense evil that you have to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first thing, if you're the victim of hasad, or you feel you might be the victim of hasad, is to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that should be sufficient. There's no other further thing you need to do except turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because otherwise it means that you think that that sabab or that means is nakis, is lacking. All right? And then how to rid oneself if we have hasid? What if I have hasid for someone? How to cure that? So the first is again to remember this ayah. I don't want to be that hasid who Allah told in Qur'an that people should seek refuge in him from my evil. I don't want to be named by Allah Taala in Qur'an. The moment I have envy for someone, I am named. I am that word hasid. Min hasidin, idha hasad. I don't want to be that in Qur'an. I'm supposed to be the other things in Qur'an. I'm supposed to be the dhaqir and the sali and the other words in Qur'an. And the second way to rid ourselves of envy, hasad, is to make dua for that fellow mu'min. Make dua for that person whom you have envy for. Now in the beginning, it's very hard to do that. If you truly have envy for someone, it's not easy to make dua for them. Then you will have to force yourself to do it. It's called takalluf and tasannu in Arabic. You'll have to artificially induce Words of du'a for that person on your tongue. And you have to keep making du'a, keep making du'a, keep making du'a for that person on your tongue until it takes out the hasad from your heart. And the type of du'as you have to make for them are huge du'as. Huge! Allah Ta'ala grant, aftaab, janatal for those. Oh, grant him every pleasure in this world. Grant him every wealth. Grant him every happiness. Allah Allah Akbar! and especially make du'a for him to have increase in those things that you exactly envy in him. So let's say you envy someone because of their wealth, right? You shouldn't, but let's say a person has that feeling. So the du'a you would make is for the health. Allah Ta'ala grant him billions and trillions and zillions and gazillions, and you keep making it, keep making it, keep making it. If nothing else happens, you will realize I'd rather he just have the thousands that he have. I better take the hasad out, because if I keep making these dua, he's gonna get billions. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. No, inshallah ta'ala, when you make the dua, it will come out of your heart. Hmm? Allahu Akbar. Alright. Now, uh, another important lesson of this, you're going, as you know, destroy Yusuf alayhi salam is going to be about his immaculate purity, and his immaculate hayah. When faced with this threat. So some ulama, they did erupt with this, is that because he's a fourth generation Nabi. Right? Four generations of Nabuwa. That's a very strong nude of Nabuwa in one's breast, in one's button. And so that's four generations of Nabuwa in him is what is going to enable him to resist, uh, the temptations and the invitations, or invitations rather, of Zulaikha. Alright. Now the sign here for Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam will be that ultimately the lesson in this is just like saying that Yusuf alayhi salam is going to be driven out by his brethren, what's going to happen is Sayyidina Rasulullah is going to be driven out later by the Mushrikeen of Makkah and just like Nabi Yusuf is ultimately going to be triumphant again and those very same brothers will accept him, just like that Nabi Kareem Sayyidina Rasulullah will come back in Fatah and the Ahl will accept him again. So there's a foreshadowing here. Now it, what it means is that when Allah sends down Quran even on the Prophet wasallam. There's an initial hidayah that he understands at that first recitation. But he keeps taking hidayah. He keeps getting guided by that surah throughout the entire rest of his life, the rest of the seerah. So for the rest of his life, Nabi alaihi will keep being guided by this story. That's another reason it's called Asan qasas That Allah Ta'ala didn't just reveal it for the waqti for the initial um, consolation of his heart. But the power of the story that... All rem- rem- always remembering the story would constantly give him consolation and happiness and joy throughout the entire rest of his life. Allah Akbar Kabira. This is the love that Allah SWT had for Nabi Akareem. Now, if I was to pause here and look at it slightly, quote unquote, philosophically, it's an interesting thing. Because our Masha'ik, even poetically rather, because our Masha'ik, they used to say in Urdu and Punjabi poetry, that Allah Ta'ala has set the whole stage of the universe and all of creation merely for the coming and sending of Rahmatul Alameen, Nabi Al-Karim, sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam. So it means that in real time, in earth time, when this story was happening, you know, when Sayyid Yusuf wa goes through all these things, Allah Ta'ala is obviously knowing and watching all that, but Allah Ta'ala at that moment is also knowing that these very events that my Yusuf alayhi is going to go through, I'm going to tell my Muhammad sallallahu alaihi sallam these events, and these events are going to give him comfort and solace. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Hmm? This is the feelings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Another thing I wanted to mention to you, that Sayyidina Yusuf Lay Sam and Bin were the youngest of the two, of the twelve. Alright? So the, it's also the older ones having this feeling that our father loves the youngest ones. Alright. And some ulama of Tafsir have mentioned actually the same thing. They say that Adam, alayhi he had a lot of love for Habil, and that's why then the older brother Kabil killed him. And this also shows that Allah, ta'ala, tests the anbiya. This is another message to us and also, especially to Nabiya Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah, ta'ala, sends incredible tests on the anbiya. The test that's going to come in Yaqub, alayhi the father, on the separation of his son, is going to be an extreme test. And even some of our ulama shaykhs said that similarly, Sayyidina Rasulullah, he didn't have a son, but he had a grandson, Sayyidina anhu. and although Nabi Karim wouldn't be alive to see it, Sayyidina Hussain would also face a test later on in his life. All right, now going back to, we are on verse number 9. Ubtar Yusufah, Awitrahuhu ardan, يَخْلُ Wajhu وَجْهُ أَبِيكُمْ مِن <صالحين> Now they are discussing amongst each other. Discussing amongst each other. We don't know definitively which one of them said that, but one of them must have said this sentence of those ten. Right? What? That you should kill Yusuf ﷺ. Just kill him. And this shows you the end of Hasad And that's why people say, I don't want to see them on the face of this earth. That's how people talk when they have so much envy and hatred towards someone. So one of them he gave the uh, brothers like that. Or cast him away in some deep land. It can be deep pit or it can mean faraway land. It could have either meaning here. Right? Cast him away, far away. Cast him away, far away. Why? And then what will happen is that uh your father's gaze, waj literally means face, and waj means the expression of pleasure. So like when Quran we have wajhillah, we can't say Allah ta'ala is a face, but it means the expression of pleasure. So Allah Ta'ala expresses his pleasure by sending Noor in the heart of a person. So here they're saying that literally it means the face of your father will be completely freed up and dedicated to you. It means now all of your father's love and affection and expressions of love will only be for you. And then after you do that then you can become righteous people. It means do a bad deed now And then you will get what you want and then make toba and then become salihin and become a good person afterwards. So the important thing here for us is that sometimes maybe me and you even think like that. Sometimes enough makes us think like that that let me do a sin now and I'll make toba to Allah and I'll be a good person later. So always remember that when we think like that our nisbat we're going back and affiliating ourselves to these ten brothers of Yusuf that's not a good nisbat. That's not a good role model that's not a good way of behavior. And so this is a wrong way. But the other thing we realize, because remember this was shaitan, this was the way shaitan puts the on people. That you misbehave now, in order to get your objective, and then you can become a person later. <laughs> now from one of the brothers, one of the brothers, one of them said, La yusufa. that no, 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 don't kill him. Now some Ulama believe here that this one is Binyamin but at this moment Binyamin would have been extremely young because he's even younger than Nabi Yusuf it could have been him or it could have been one of the very tender selves who was relatively maybe not as against Nabi Yusuf as the rest of the brothers that what should you do instead? You should cast him down. Go and find some deep well and throw him down that well. All right. And then what will happen? So he won't die. It wasn't also done to kill him. But what will happen? Yaltafithu Sayarati in kuntum That some wayfarers, passers-by, travelers will eventually find him and pick him up. Why don't you do that? So don't kill him. Cast him away. And basically, they also understood, because they were living in a society of slavery and enslavement, so what it meant by that passers-by will come and pick him up, it means as a young boy, he will be enslaved. Also a terrible thing to wish on your brother, that you wish your younger brother, and all ten, remember, are older. So they're all wishing this for their younger brother, Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam. In kuntum fa'ilin means if you really want to do something. If you really are going to do something, don't kill him, but cast him down like that. All right. So, the plan that they make is first they're going to go to the father, Nabi Yaqub alayhi salam, and they will ask them to take, the, can they take Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam with them on some excursion, some outing. Now you will see that Nabi Yaqub alayhi salam, he will see right through this. But he's a Nabi. And so what does the Anbiya do? They go with Allah Ta'ala's flow. He's going to not have a choice. He will say some things to express his unhappiness at what he knows is about to happen. But he won't stop them entirely, although as a father, he could have said no. Because he knows this is the will of Allah. He knows that there's this dream. There's something, some plan, something that has to be fulfilled. Ya Abana. So then the brothers, they went and they said, "Oh, our father, Malakala ta'manna ala Yusuf, that what is it about you that you don't trust us with Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam? You don't trust us with Nabi Yusuf alayhi salam. Wa <coughs> inna And then they make this claim that indeed we are his well wishers, we are his caretakers. Hmm? So they're making a false dawah, a false claim. Arsilhu ma'an, that why don't you send him with us tomorrow? Send him along with us tomorrow. Oh, we will have recreation and we will eat and we will play and have fun and we will take care of him. We will be his guardians and caretakers. Now, Nabi Yaqub alayhi Salam, expresses his worry in this way that number one, it will give me huzan. It's going to give me sadness and sorrow if you take him along, take him away from me. And I fear that a wolf may eat him. I fear a wolf may eat him when? When you were negligent of him. What does that mean? You might be busy playing around and he'll be a small boy and he'll be hanging around by the tree and a wolf will come and eat him. Alright, now this is exactly where they get their idea, that okay, if this is what their father was fe- fearing, this is now, is, he's giving them a storyline, they're going to take this as a storyline to use upon him later. So they respond that no, how could that happen? Inna idan That if it so happens that a wolf would eat him, and we are so many of us in number, it means we can't even take care of him. That indeed we will be lachasirun. We'd be really pathetic losers, indeed. Hmm? So they reassure him. Now what did they do? فَلَمَّ ذَهَبُوا بِهِ So when it means that Nabiyyu kulli salam let them take him away, and when they took him away, wa and they all gathered and conspired on this plan that they will cast him deep into this well. And they made determination to do that. Then Allah subhanahu sent wahi to Nabi Yusuf. So this is clear now. The word wahi is being used. So either Nur of Nabuat was given on the dream or nur Nabut was given here right now, directly Allah SWT sends communication to Nabi Yusuf AS of what? <speaking in Hebrew> that there will come a time when you will inform them, you will remind them about this very act that they're doing with you, casting you deep into the well. <speaking> in <Hebrew> and they won't even be aware, they won't even realize what it is that you're telling them. That's it. Now imagine now you're a young boy and your ten brothers throw you into a well and you know they did this deliberately. And then you get wahi from Allah Taala, But what Allah Ta'ala doesn't tell you how to get out of the well, right? Allah Ta'ala doesn't tell you what's going to happen when you get out of the well. Allah Ta'ala tells you all the way the end game, all the way the finality of the story that don't worry. Whatever they're doing to you now, there will come a time when you will be standing in front of them again and you will inform them of what they do but they won't be aware that's it. That's all Allah will to Nabi Yusuf That's it. One line. No further wahi. No further consolation. Alright. Now again, go back to Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam exactly the same thing. Today the kuffar of Makkah Makkah are taking you and they have the position of authority and power over you. But there will come a time yani isharat to Makkah that you will be standing in Makkah Mukarramah, and you will tell them and remind them of what they did to you and they will be totally caught unaware that you have become and you have taken over Makkah Alright? Wajau abahum Now what happens is they go back to their father after having cast him down the well. And what do they do? Wajau uh, abahum isha'an They went back at nightfall. Yabkoon Fake crying. Crocodile tears. Hmm? But they managed to do it. They were literally crying. So this is the ability in people to literally fake cry. And they went to him. This is all a, a mockery. It's all a ploy. It's all a play. Not, and then they come back crying. And they, callu ya abana. And all of them said together. Now what's happened, I remember that uspa uspah, that we're a group, we're a group. So sometimes this is another thing that you will notice that people when they're in a group, they think they have the strength to sin they get deluded and deceived by their numbers maybe as an individual they would have been too scared to sin I don't think any single brother alone would have had the guts to put Nabi Yusuf AS, their younger brother in the well but this is a delusion sometimes that we have in numbers and you will often find when people plot it's groups that plot factions that plot Parties that plot, because their plurality and their number gives them this delusion. So when, and then the second thing is they have to have this ittihad with each other. They have to be, uh, on the same page with each other. So all of them go together and they say that, oh, our father, in now we, the hub now, we went and we had taken him. Nastibiqoo, wa Yusufa. So what happened? We were all racing with one another. We were all competing with one each other who can overrun the other and we left Yusuf, we, all of us, left Nabi Yusuf in the mata'ina near our stuff, our belongings fa hu'l-zibbu. And then, oh, the wolf came and ate him. Alright? So, oftentimes when people collude and conspire on a lie, this is collusion, and they fabricate a lie and they collude and conspire all to say the same story. But this is ajeeb, this is ajeeb, right? This is the most ajeeb part. <laughs> right? Okay, they could have cried, they could have given the story, but they even go one step further and they say, Well أَنْتَ bit m and you aren't gonna trust us. You aren't gonna believe us. Even if though even though we are truly saying the truth, we are truthful ones. Allahu Akbar Kabira. It shows the level that people will go to convince and to conceal their lies. Hmm? They will say, oh, you won't believe me even though I'm true. Hmm? They will have a whole party and faction of people who will combine and collude and conspire on that same line, the same story. And they'll say, oh, people won't believe us. Khair, <laughs> obviously, Nabi Yaqub, alayhis-salam, uh, he can tell, right? He will know. He will know. But... What can he do? Right? So, what you realize here is these are false tears. Later, they're going to cry real tears. And right now, Nabi Yaqub alayhi salam is going to also cry real tears. So, always remember this, that whenever it's a battle between the false tears and the true tears, the true tears are always honored by Allah Ta'ala. The true tears are the ones that are valued by Allah taala And the only way to overcome The evil and plotting of those who shed the false tears is by shedding the true tears to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what Nabi Yaqub alayhi Salam is going to do. Alright? Here, and then, another part of the famous part, وَجَاءُ أَلَا قِمِيسِهِ بِدَمِنْ كَذِبٍ That they then came and they brought, they put some type of fake blood on the shirt and they presented it to their father. Right? Now, it's an interesting thing here. Right? Because the question would be, where's the body? Right? If it were me, I would say, okay, where's the body? You're saying the wolf ate my son. So the notion is, the claim is, that the wolf ate, ate, meant the body of, now the body of Nabi Yusuf is inside the wolf, but the shirt was left behind. Right? That's the claim in the story. Alright? And the shirt is left behind and we bring the shirt and they put, I don't know how, but they put some level of Fake blood on it. Qala. So, Nabi Yaqub, his father, he responds to them. Bal lakum anfusukum amra. jawab, means he tells them outright that no, 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 no. You're anfus. And here he means nafs, in the nafs way. your nafs say amara All of your people's nafses made you do something. This is all just a matter of your nafs. Allah Allahu Akbar. Fa sabrun jameel. But I'm not gonna debate with you. I'm not gonna counter you. I'm not gonna accuse you of lying. I'm not gonna do that. Fa sabrun jameel. This is a very famous two words of Nabi Yaqub alayhi salam. That sabr, for me to endure this, for me to bear this, for me to patiently bear and endure this, jameel. That is the beautiful course of action for me. Bet rather than arguing with you, sabr is more beautiful for me. Rather than disputing with you, being patient is better for me. Allahu Akbarqiyya. Wallahu mustaanu ma ma'atasifoon. And Allah spawned is that being whose help will be sought ala ma'atasifoon upon that which you have committed and on that which you have done. And that which you describe, you, you sifat means that which you mm, describe that you have done. Tasnaun would be done. Matasifun what you describe happened. Waja'at sayyaratun. Then the story goes back to goes back to Nabi Yusuf alayhis salam. Goes back to Nabi Yusuf salam. Now, another interesting thing here that we learn is a very small point, but he lost his shirt also, right? So, he has been stripped of his clothing. Allahu alam, if he's cold, normally in a well you might be wet, he might be shivering. You have to imagine the scene, right? He's a young boy. His parents, his brothers have cast him down. He's in this dark place. He's lost at least his upper garment, his shirt, his clothing, right? He might be shivering, he might be wet. And now what happens is uh, that some wayfarers come by. Oh, Where did we go here? fa <speaking> fa <in Hebrew> So basically, a caravan came and pitched up, and they sent one of their people who draws the water and he cast down the bucket and drew up the bucket of water and What does he find Now just imagine you use of Islam, a bucket comes down, you decide to hop in the bucket. Hmm? So that also shows you how small he must have been, how young he must have been at that time. He's a small boy, he could fit in that bucket, and he gets a ride right up in that bucket. So now the person who's drawing the water says, Ya Bushra, ghulam that oh what glad tidings, what a surprise, what a good news surprise. Look at this young chap. Hmm? Look at this sparkling, shining, beautiful young boy. But what did they do? Wa asarruhu. Wa asal they kept him secret. Wa asarru bi they kept him secret as a piece of merchandise. Slave, right? They kept him hidden. وَاللَّهُ alimun بِمَا يَأْمَلُونَ But Allah Ta'ala was all knowing of what they were doing. So all of this is happening. Again, Nabi Akalim getting to he uh, he getting solace. That whatever the Mushrikeen of Makkah are doing with you, Allah Ta'ala knows. وَاللَّهُ alimun بِمَا يَأْمَلُونَ Allah Ta'ala knows every single thing that they're doing to you. All right. And then they went and they sold him for a paltry sum. Just few dirhams I mean few coins. Now the question the person has here is that Yusuf Allah was extremely handsome. So you would think he would have fetched a very high price. So one reason was that he was stolen illegitimate goods. A second reason that some ulama mentioned here is that Allah Ta'ala wanted to show that when you corruptly acquire beauty, when you unlawfully acquire beauty, then that beauty loses its value and its price. So no doubt there was the husn of Nabi Yusuf salam but he was corruptly and wrongly acquired so he went for a small price. Just like that if somebody goes after unlawfully, corruptly, the husn of ghar mahram, no matter how beautiful she might be, but because you did it in a corrupt, unlawful way, her own beauty even loses all value. And it's a sign for the women also, that if indeed, or a man for that matter, Allah Ta'ala may have given a man or a woman physical beauty, but if you let that physical beauty Attract or entice, or you get involved in a way that is corrupt, unlawful, outside nikah against Sharia. Then the beauty Allah Taala did give you loses its value. Allahu <laughs> akbar. Wa fihi min and these people. Uh, the, the the slavers we should call them, but the caravan travelers who had taken him, they were basically zahideen. This is the only place in Quran where the word zahud comes. But here what it means is they seem to be uninterested in him. This is also from Allah SWT. Otherwise they could have kept him. They could have kept him for their own service, for their own khidmat, but this is a process of Allah SWT. So the way we view this is that Allah SWT took away their interest regarding Nabi Yusuf Alayhi Salaam so they were willing to sell him and that too they were willing to sell him at a very small price. All right. Now when this group who purchases him... Uh, they are from Misr, which is known as Egypt, right? And they're going to tra- travel and travel and travel. Uh, and then he is sold over here in Misr. So the person who. <coughs> the person who purchases Nabi Yusuf alayhi <laughs> salam. So this was the Aziz of Misr, the ruler of Egypt who had purchased him, and he tells his missus, he tells his wife, أَكْرِمِ مَثْوَاهُ أَسَاءً faana, aw نَتَّخِذُهُ walada." That okay, now we have purchased uh, this young boy as a slave, and the notion here is that they were not able to have children. Alright? So, he told his wife that make him comfortable, make ikram of him, be graceful and generous towards him, and maybe he will be of some benefit towards us. And in fact, we might even take him as a son. We might adopt him full-fledged as a son. وَكَذَلَكَ مَكَّنَّا لَيُوسُفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ And Allah Ta'ala says, This is how we, Allah Subhanahu I, Allah Ta'ala, my might and majesty, we settled him down, we gave him a place, and we established him in the land. وَل- 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 مِنْ Ahadith. And thereby we were going to teach him more even of the interpretation of dreams and events. وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِ وَلَكِنَ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is predominant over His will and wish in all matters, but the vast majority of people, they don't know, they don't understand, they don't realize. Here again, what it means is a lesson, that everything is happening according to a grand master plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But most people, they don't realize, so they panic. Most people, they don't realize, they get upset Many times people don't realize they complain. But here the lesson is that no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a grand master plan. Alright. Now, if we have an earlier story of this, where some of you might remember the story of Nabi Musa, a.s. So again, there was a ruler, but that was Fir'aun. And again, there was a wife. And again, they discovered the baby Musa, on the raft and again there they had the same similar thing that they kept him and they kept him in the palace and they kept him in the house of the ruler and then the mother was inclined to him and they thought they would take him as a son the difference here difference between these stories is flip there Pharaoh was corrupt and his wife Asiya was very pious here the ruler is good but his wife is going to be a bit impious towards nabi yusuf Alayhi salam all right and the difference also is of age that when asiya radhiyallahu anha saw that baby she was much much older so she looked upon him with a motherly gaze here zuleikha is much younger and yusuf alayhis salam is older so she looks upon him not with a motherly gaze but she looks upon him as you will know and you will see let's say with a womanly gaze hmm? looks upon it with a womanly gaze. So this also is something, that the way you, the gaze you cast on a person, the first glance will determine the level of hayan, that relationship. So there the first glance was of a mother looking at a baby. And here the first glance is going to be of a woman looking at a young, strapping, handsome young lad. Alright? And this is why in our deen in sharia, in and sharia and Allah subhanahu Quran tells us to lower our gaze. To avert the gaze. Because the first step and the first foundation of purity is to avert and lower the gaze. And obviously here, Zuleikha is not going to do that. And she's going to gaze and then stare and then stare and then stare. Another aspect of Wallahu Ghaliban ala Amrihi is also for Nabi Yaqub alayhi salam. That the Anbiya had that trust. And he let this happen and didn't forcefully try to stop the brothers from taking a civil islam because he knew. When Allah Ta'ala is saying the vast majority of people don't know but there are people who do know that Allah Ta'ala is Ghalib on his affair and they are the Anbiya. And similarly just like that is Nabi uh, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay. Now comes the main, uh, if you will, uh, incident and story of this surah. All right which is the maybe the biggest uh lesson uh for us and a long-lasting lesson for us uh, especially in the type of times we live in. Walamma balagha ashdahu atainahu hukma wa ilma. So now when uh, Nabi Yusuf علیہ reached the prime of his age, prime. So that's understood through other narrations to be around the age of 20. So you can assume now that whatever age he was when they were abroad, but now he's reached the age of twenty prime. So what Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has given him wa Ilma, wisdom and knowledge. And here it's also referring to the hikma the wisdom and knowledge that is given as part of Nabuwa, as given as part of Prophethood. وَكَذَلَكَ Nadzil Mussin and this is how Allah Ta'ala says that we reward the people of Asan, the people who do virtue. And so the virtue of Nabi Yusuf must have been when he was young. The virtue of Nabi Yusuf was never to complain against Allah Ta'ala. The virtue of Nabi Yusuf was never to be upset with Allah Ta'ala. The virtue of Nabi Yusuf to this point was his patience up till now. So Allah Ta'ala this is a lesson for us also. That if we stay in for the long haul and don't initially react and we're patient and we persevere, that Allah Ta'ala gives us wisdom and knowledge as a reward for our noble behavior in not reacting in a way, all right, all right. Wara huwa fi baitiha an This is now first thing that Elspanto does not mention her name. You know, once when I taught this, I got a question later in email that if Allah Ta'ala doesn't mention her name, why did you say the word Zuleika in the in the lecture? Allahu Akbar And I reflected upon that and I thought that, okay, it's true al Ta'ala doesn't mention her name. But when Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu mentioned her name to explain to us, and ultimately later it has a good ending. So this is not in any way that we're maligning Zulaikha. Actually, it's important to understand this natural thing that happened to her, and she came out. She comes out of it by the end, also. The view is that she also comes out of it. All right, but Khair, so she. But still, it is a point that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala out of His own satari in Quran refers to her as she in whose house He was. It's a very formal structure. Allati huwa fi betha. She in whose house he was wara All right. Now this is word in Quran al-Karim is relatively rare usage uh, of this word. All right, and uh, you can say she tried to seduce him, she tried to entice him, she tried to attract him, she presented herself to him. All of this is meant there, but it's that notion of that act of. You can say seduction might be the single English word that might be best for this. abuaba, And then she locked the doors. wa And she said to him, Come. Come on. In it's an expression of invitation. So you have the seduction, you have the locking, and you have the invitation. Alright? Now this description itself even should be enough to put terror in the heart of any man. Because 99.9999% of men, and all of us should view ourselves in that, would not be able to resist this. That a woman is willing, right? A woman, and there's protection. The purpose of locking the doors was the notion that you can get away with this. Right? So there's willingness, there's ability to conceal it successfully and get away with it, and then there's further mm, egging on, right? Complete initiation, seduction, concealment, anything and everything. That Allah Ta'ala has just mentioned it in one line, but the notion here is that in every sense of the word, in every sense possible, complete absolute proposition and seduction. Allahu <laughs> Akbar Kabira. What man is there alive who can dare think about himself? that he could resist such a thing. But Allah Ta'ala gave us this Nabi Yusuf as a lesson, that the way to resist, on your own you can't resist, there will be a way to resist. And this is maybe one of the most important lines for us to learn in Quran, قَالَ مَعَذَ اللَّهُ Nabi Yusuf alayhi what did he say? Ma'ad Allah." He didn't say It's even a stronger word. Ma'ad Allah, You need refuge itself. Refuge itself hmm? is with Allah. Hmm? It means I seek refuge with Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's refuge itself. that to be He seeks refuge. He talks about the refuge of Allah. The refuge of Allah. Sanctuary with Allah. Safety with Allah. Hmm? It's the only thing that can save a person from sin. Allahu <laughs> Kameen. This Two words, Ma'ad Allah. This is critical for us to know. And our problem is we don't say this. This should be frequently used. Just like you say, Insha'Allah, Allah. Same here, ma'adallah, Allah. This should be frequent used on our tongue. And its use should be for our heart. And not just for, for any and every temptation, any and every sinc- sinful inc- inclination. Any and every time the nafs and the makhluk present themselves to us, even the slightest temptation, ma'adha And maybe we may have to say it more than once. We may have to keep repeating it, keep repeating it. And when we do it, linking ourselves to the story in Quran and linking our heart to the heart of Nabi Yusuf that we want that same feeling that he had in this moment. Hmm? Then this is how he was able to uh, stay away. It's this sentence it's this feeling. It's the actual refuge with Allah Ta'ala that saved even Nabi Yusuf salam He wasn't saved through his Nabuwa, He wasn't saved through anything else. He sought refuge in Allah Ta'ala and he was saved by the refuge from Allah Ta'ala. And it's going to not be any different for any one of you and me. It won't be any different for any of you and me. Innahu رَبِّ Asana Mathwaya. Now here the word Rub. It's not, in the first instance, the normal translation given here is the word Rab is not referring to Allah ta'ala. Rab is referring to His, you can say foster father, stepfather, you need that, ruler of Egypt who had taken Him in. And this is also, you know, that for example in Quran when we make the law for our parents, right? Rabir hamhuma kamar rabbayani. So that Allah tells you, use the word Rab for ghirullah also in Quran. And Allah says, use the word Rab specifically for parents. So it means that my caretaker, my foster father, has been so kind to me. Right? How can I diso- how can I betray him? So there are two things here. Hukukullah, hukukulabad. Instantly. Two things instantly came to him. Ma'ad Allah, number one, how can I betray Allah Ta'ala? I seek refuge in Allah Ta'ala. And second, how can I betray him? You're his wife. How can I betray him? Hmm? Both things, so this truth, this is the Sidq and the pure truth of Nabi Yusuf ﷺ. Neither can he betray Allah SWT, nor can he betray his foster father. Neither can you betray the creator nor can you betray creation. These things have to be there. And anybody who is on that Haq, they can never fall into this infidelity or adultery if they have that feeling. But if they don't have this feeling, hmm, they don't have this feeling, then uh, they can fall into sin. <inaudible> and then he mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will never grant success to the Zalimun, to the people who do wrong. This third thing he's giving the siyat to her. This one is first for, for himself also, but it's for her also, right? That Allah, it's never going to work. You can never pull it off. You will never get falah. You can never have success if you're a sinful oppressor. But these three things, hmm, قَالَ مَعَذَ allah إِنَّهُ رَبِّي أَحْسَنَ المثوية, That he's given me such nice dwelling and accommodation. إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلَهُ الظَّالِمُونَ And indeed, the zalimun will never ever have falah. They will never have success. They will never prosper. On this basis, Nabi Yusuf alayhi was able to resist. On this basis, Nabi Yusuf alayhi was saved, saved by Allah subhanahu wa taala, saved by betraying Allah taala, saved from betraying Allah subhanahu wa taala, saved from betraying somebody else. Hmm? All right. Now, it can. The next line, next verse of Quran al-Karim. bihi. إِنَّهُ مِنْ إِنَّهُ مِنْ All right. بِهَا لَوْلَا أَنْ كَذَلَكَ Alright. This is the last verse we'll do, then we're going to pause for the Ursula. بِهِ بِهَا This is one of the most commented verses in Qur'an. That what exactly does the second part mean? The first part, that she had intent desire for him. Deep resolve for him. Deeply embedded desire and resolve for him. Alright. Now, if you pause there, as some unfortunately very twisted people who tried to take this interpretation of God. I once actually heard a person try to give this interpretation because he paused over here. Wahamma biha. So he tried to make it sound like she desired him and he desired her. Right? You can't pause over here. Rather the proper way to translate. Wahamma biha lola that he May have desired her were it not for him clearly seeing a burhan, a clear sign from his rub. Alright? Means that if he didn't remember Allah Ta'ala at that time, if he didn't say ma'ad Allah at that time, he may have also desired her had he not seen that burhan, that sign from his rub. Alright? So what does it mean? It means that Only remembering Allah can protect a person from a mistake. And if at that moment we fail to remember Allah, then we would be inclined or tempted about that mistake as well. Alright? Now, if one was to imagine the scene, Allah how she may have attracted herself or adorned herself in her most beautiful clothing or worn some beautiful jewelry or made herself look attractive how long she had been planning it how what moment she had thought to do it so this is a huge test for a man a huge test for a person because it can happen the other way as well and Allah subhanahu Wa ta'ala mentions this in Quran to teach us and guide us and remember, Asan al-Qasas. And this is to guide us to Hussan, to Asan, to virtue, to piety, to modesty, to purity. And then, now what happens when she bolts the doors, so Nabi Yusuf, still he is going to run towards the door. And that's because she bolted it from the inside, so the same way she bolted it, he will be trying to unbolt it. Now, it means that he does everything he can. He turns to Allah Ta'ala, He remembers loyalty to creation. He tries to explain that the wrongdoers will never have benefit, right? And then he turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he hadn't done all of these things, it means that there's a possibility that he may have fallen into that desire as well. Now, because he's a Nabi, we know that he's masoom. So when it comes to Nabi Yusuf salam, he's definitely masoom, means he's beyond the ability to sin. Right? So the Lola over here is actually hidayatan for us. It's actually to train and teach us as guidance. That how to explain this in English, we would say that Menheitu أَنَّهُ Insanun. You from that aspect of him being a human. Had he not remembered Alta, he may have felt desire. But there's a second thing there which is not being mentioned in that verse, is however due to him being a Nabi, he could have never felt that desire anyway. But from the perspective of his being a human, he could have felt desire if he had not remembered the clear signs from his rub. Alright? So me and you, we don't have Nabu'at, right? So for us then, the lesson of the ayah is that we are very much human. And unless we remember Allah Taala, we can come in that. Now this feeling of ma'adullah teaches us another thing, that you have to combat an emotion with another emotion. So lustful desire has to be combated with fear. You have to bring this emotion. And if the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that emotion and feeling of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is greater than the feeling of lustful desire, you will be saved from doing that sin. If, however, the feeling of lustful desire is greater than the feeling of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the human being will fall into that temptation and do that sin. That's why the word that Allah used in Qur'an about how we stay away from sin is called taqwa. 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 ittakuh, ittakuh, taqwa, taqwa. Taqwa is fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only way, that's what Ma'adullah the allah is the expression of the feeling of the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> Now for you and me, we will work it backward. It will be reverse engineering. For Sayyidina Yusuf A.S., he had the intense feeling of fear of Allah in his heart. He expressed it on his tongue by saying, Maazullah, we will have to reverse engineer. We will say it with our tongue whenever tempted by sin and hope by reciting these sacred words from Qur'an and blessed words of Nabi Yusuf A.S., the act of reciting those words in our tongue will inspire the feeling of fear in our heart. And that's why I said, keep saying it. Keep saying it until the fear goes higher than the lust. And that's the problem we left to die. We don't do these things. I can tell you that many times we have had cases, emails, people, confessions that they fell into lust. I can never have a case in front of me that the person says, I said ma'ad Allah and I kept reciting ma'ad Allah and I kept reciting ma'ad Allah so that the fear would be stronger but still the lust overcame me. Never can a person say that. Do so we fail to follow the hidayah? We fail to follow the escape that Allah Ta'ala gave us to this blessed story and example of Nabi Yusuf <laughs> So the purpose of the Ma'ad Allah was to get that feeling of fear. To get that feeling of fear of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The last part was for her sake is the feeling of humiliation. And that is something that should be there for a man also. A man should also fear disgrace, humiliation, embarrassment when they end up in this type of sin. So this is the second emotion. Second emotion. Humiliation, disgrace, embarrassment, abasement, degradation Hmm? and fear of that. Alright? So that's also human. No problem. Don't try to be, no, no, I will only not do it out of fear of wa Taala. No, anything that can stop you from sin is good for us. The fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear of humiliation. It's in Qur'an. Fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear of humiliation. You need both in order to stay away from sin. And this is the problem that people have become fearless. They don't fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they don't fear being humiliated. They become bold. It's a false. It's a delusion. They become overly bold. Overly false. So here, this was the main part of the surah and maybe the most important ayat and my humble feeling of this surah and the biggest lesson of the surah, especially given our day and age and current modern predicament. As you know, the story continues and the surah will continue and inshallah ta'ala we will continue it after praying Salatul Zohar inshallah. Sallakallahul azeem wa akhirul da'wan alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin we break resource alive.